Tell your story, build your brand. ArtMediaNorthwest.com. A-R-T-M-E-D-I-A-N-W.com. Now enjoy part two of this conversation with Paul Brown. All right, so how well does the system work for people and for musicians and for photographers? What's the system? The system, society, I guess. Oh, well, God. It depends on the community that you're in and where you associate. You know, yeah. what are your what are your aspirations? Mm-hmm. What what's your goal in this thing, right? Musically, I mean, you know, I'm one of one of the bands that I'm in is a tribute band, is a tribute to Dokken. And you know, when we when I when I joined this band, the guys had been doing it for a while, and, and you know, they they needed a bass player, and I had just started playing with 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 uh, Bad Ellie. And, you know, they separated with their bass player, and one of my friends is in the band, and he's like, hey, I've got a guy, you know? And so they sent me a message, and I'm like, sure, that sounds fun. It's one of the things, uh, one of my main focuses photographically, photographically, <laughs> photographically. <laughs> I like that, you coined uh, yeah, that right? <laughs> You heard it here right? first, folks. One of my main subjects was tribute bands. Yeah. I had... I had uh, you know, I I started going and seeing Joff um, with Western Aerial and, and tons of original bands, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I saw Everclear before they broke, and you know, in little cafes and stuff like that. Tons of cool stuff, right? All kinds of neat bands. I met a lot of cool people that I'm still friends with. One of them was when Joff started Ants in the Kitchen. Right. I, I met Dane, and Dane was in Stone and Love, which is tribute bands, and so I started going to Stone and Love shows. Um, you know, and like. Early on, like Breakfast Club, Rad Rev shows and things like that, and so I got in. I got in these, and I realized all these people are super fun, nice. We all have the same interests. This is great. Let's do this, you know. And so I started taking my camera to to shows, and, and the same thing. It was like take photos, have a good time, you know. I'm at the show. That's what I want. So society and the system. I mean, if you want to look at it overall, I don't think that artist is not supported, right? I mean, right. there's just not support for arts, but everybody's interested in it, right? <laughs> and so that's the thing. If you get rid of all of these things, well, it's, I mean, you're going to have a lot of depressed people, right. right? But overall, like on a on a big picture or macro, macro yeah. it, it's just, there's no support for arts, which sucks because, you know, when I was going to school, I had wood shop, I had auto shop, I had... All these, you know, I could do all of these things. These are great. They don't have them anymore, um, which is really bad because for me, um, so I talk, I, I like, I love cars. I wanted to be a car designer. That's why I studied mechanical engineering when I was going to school, you know, the whole thing. And auto shop was that, it was that thing for me, right? Yeah. It was like, you know, math, science, all this stuff. It was great. I loved it. But auto shop was that thing I looked forward to, right? It's like, I went in there, I studied, I took every single auto shop I could. And, you know, I did it all the way through high school. And uh, my, uh, the instructor was an ex-engineer from Ford. So he had all kinds of cool stuff, you know? And, um, yeah, that was just the, it was the thing. And it was the escape. Music was the same thing. I didn't, through throughout high school, I, I was too shy to join the band. And so I didn't, but it was there. My brother, my brother joined the, you know, the concert band, whatever it was. He was a trumpet player. I just, I just never joined. That's a shame because so many of the kids in band were shy kids that 
you know. That's where all of we, that's where we all went. I know, and, right? And a lot of I just couldn't do it. Too. Yeah, I just yeah. I just was so shy. I wouldn't do it. That's super important because, like you said, that's where those shy kids go. You know, it's like and you you being open to and finding that outlet. You know, but yeah. as a society, it's all going away because I don't know why. <laughs> I, I really don't. But on a personal level, I've found these pockets where where we all enjoy the same thing we all support each other yeah. you know and you know it's it's cool just like like this podcast that you're doing i mean that's what it's all about it's just you know on a on a micro level connecting with a, a group or an environment a or community. whatever it is that yeah. that fulfills that you know so we can support each other in that sense on a small level but yeah overall uh Taking music out of schools and that kind of stuff, it's really depressing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? How well do schools prepare kids for the real world, in your opinion? I don't think they do. Um, to an extent, when I was in school, I got lucky, I think. I went to, I went to Tigard High School, and they still had programs. Uh, they had auto shop. And, you know, that taught me. I, took, I could build an entire car. Um, in high school, I learned how to do that. I rebuilt an engine, I rebuilt carburetors, I rebuilt transmissions, the whole thing. In high school, I was able to do these things. Um, you know, and it was it was cool because what that meant is then now, you know, I'm a kid, I have no money, but I have a car and I know how to work on it. Right. You know, I could do something with it. Um, the The other thing that I got lucky was that I had, um, they had a an elective program for um, either mechanical engineering or architecture. And so I did three full years of mechanical engineering in high school so that when I got to college, I got to challenge my first year of college. Oh, wow. Challenge the whole thing. You know, I, I sat in the class and listened to what the syllabus was going to be about. And I'm like, oh, man, I already did all this <laughs> stuff. This sucks. You know, so I went and I talked to the instructor and... Uh, he looked over all of my work that I brought in all of my work, my blueprints, the whole thing. And, you know, he asked me questions. He's like, man, you already know more than I'm going to teach. So you don't have to pay for the class, but you don't have to come back. Nice. You, you've got an A, you're done. I was like, all right, cool. You figured that out yourself? Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. Can I just interject sure. real quick? So Derek Sivers, who founded CD Baby, uh-huh. uh, went to Berkeley School of Music. And he met this guy, Kimo. I'm trying to remember his last name. Who uh, he was answering an ad in in uh, like Craigslist or Yellow Pages or something, yeah. uh, and he met this guy and he's like, you know what? He he told him the standard path is for chumps. He's like, come to my house on Thursday at nine o'clock in the morning, and he's like, I'll tell you how to how to start at Berkeley without taking the first two years of classes. Nice. And and yeah. so he went to his house and showed up on time and he just yeah. drilled him on all this theory stuff and showed him all this stuff on the piano. Right. And anyways, told him like taught him in like four lessons, what he needed to know to get through, you know, two years, years of school. Berkeley. Yeah. 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 Uh, no, it was, it was really cool. And that's, that's the thing that I think is sad because those programs are going away. Yeah. You know? And so in high school, I managed to do all these things and, you know, and there's, there's one of the things, so this is an aside, but in the mechanical engineering that I was studying, um, we got to the end where we got to do a project, uh, which was to build an actual air car. So we had to design it, blueprint it, get it approved and then build it. And the instructor, he, 
uh, he did model airplanes and stuff. So he gave us a little gas engine, some wheels and stuff, and 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 balsa wood. So an air car. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So the you know he gave us the parameters for the car. We had to you know build it to match the parameters. And so like I said, design it, blueprint it, the whole thing, and then build it. And he had a track in the class. Uh, had bank corners and walls on it and stuff. And so we had to build the car so that it would stay on the track. And then he would give us a little engine. We'd put it on there. And he'd start that thing up and he'd run three laps and he'd time it and see how fast it went. Right? So he had <laughs> this awesome. leaderboard. Yeah, it was super cool. Wow. This is high school too, yeah. right? So he had this leaderboard. Up. He'd been doing it for, I think, 10 or 12 years by the time I got there. And I got third place on that board. And I went back for my 10-year reunion and I saw that class and my, it was still there. Wow. Like, hell yeah, yeah, I did it. You know? <laughs> um, and I still have that car too. I, I mean, I gave him back the wheels and the sure. engine and stuff like that, but I actually still have that physical car. That's cool. But yeah, it's stuff like that. It's just, it's going away. It's super yeah. bummer. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, my wife's a teacher and, you know, she's the same thing. The um, They're teaching more to the standards than they are to the kids, you know, and it's just, it's unfortunate. Yeah. What well, I think... Everything is changing so fast. People have to learn how to adapt. I think adaptation is really sort of the new normal. Like yeah. it's like anything that you know today, a year, six months, two years down the right. road, is going to be somewhat irrelevant. Yeah. And you know, and a lot of people are going to find themselves out of jobs. I feel mm-hmm. like because um, a lot of us are being made redundant by technology, yeah. by automation of things, and yep. all that kind of stuff. I know that's. That's one of the things that I sort of struggle with. Uh, Like I said, my day job is um, enabling that stuff. It's enabling that stuff, but people are making art with that stuff too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's the thing is like my camera and the computer that I use to edit it, all the things that I use, I need these things, right? So it's it's this thing. On the other hand, you know, uh, self-driving cars is really where it came down to it for me. You know, the self-parking and all that kind of stuff. I like driving. I like cars. That's right. a thing for me, right? And, uh, you know, I think about that kind of stuff. I'm like, I get it. My job makes it so that these things can happen, but they kind of freak me out. Yeah. You know, and it's like, well, I'm well, not going to stop compu- doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Quantum computers and all that oh, kind yeah. of stuff. And AI is like... I mean, those are, mm-hmm. we're there, it's happening, but yeah. we don't know yep. to what extent over the next few years it's yeah. going to... Trying to understand qubits and how they work and all the other stuff. Yeah. Oh, man. So can you tell us about your current projects and where you'd like to focus your energy in the future? In creative hmm. endeavors, photography, music, art? Yeah. So, uh, like I said, we're in, I'm in two bands. Um, Bad Ellie is uh, an original pop punk Love it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's fun. It's happy. It's just, it's so much fun. What is your schedule like with Bad Ellie? Like as far as rehearsals, songwriting, recording, um, gigs? Yeah. So we, uh, at this point we're, we're, we're getting together and rehearsing every couple of weeks. There's some scheduling. It's difficult because we're all in multiple bands and, you know, trying to juggle a jillion things. Um, and so we get together uh, every every couple of weeks, and uh, Ted's our primary song idea man. Uh, he comes in, he's like, "I got this idea for a song." I'm like, "All right, cool." So we'll get together. He'll play, he'll play the idea, and then we'll put our parts into it, and you know, build it. And uh, 
it's just, it's such a fun process to be part of, you know? Um, and I find for me, sometimes I, I mean, it's an in the moment thing, uh, you know, and he'll, he'll play it and I'll hear something and then Keith will play something. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's kind of cool. And I find as the bass player, that's one of the things that I've had to learn. Cause as a guitar player, I didn't always, I followed the beat, but not necessarily the drums. Okay. And that's something that I had to learn. It's like, like you said, following the kick in the snare and trying to figure out where not to step and who not to step on and right. that kind of stuff, figuring out where the space is. Um, and, uh, you know, there's times where I'm not great at it and there's times where I think I do a pretty good job, you know? Um, but that was one of the things I had, had to learn, but that creative process, it's neat. You know, so it's like, Ted'll start playing and I'll play something that sort of matches up with what he's doing. Then Keith will come up with some cool beat and I'm like, Ooh, that's neat. You know, (laughs) try to figure out how to, how to, how to balance in between these two where I'm like, I'm, you know, um, driving with Ted and and like accenting with Keith and you know try to do that and then um, Michael our other guitar player he'll come in you know and he plays some ambiance kind of stuff and you know trying to figure out who's going to do solos and when they're going to do it and all that it's just it's a neat process I yeah, really enjoy definitely. it do you guys um, write at every rehearsal or that's just not like, always uh, occasionally um Ted's got a million ideas okay. so there's always something if we want there's always something new you know okay. um but a lot of times it's like we'll we'll come up with something and then we try to we try to get it recorded on a little zoom recorder or something mm-hmm. like that so we can remember the idea um we don't always record uh so some of the rehearsals are hey remember we did that thing last time or let's try to go over that and then we you know trying to remember what we did or coming up with something new sure or, that kind of thing. So we do that. We have been in the studio a few times. We're trying to put together some stuff. And uh, we we did a few songs, and uh, two of them are actually out on SoundCloud. SoundCloud? Yeah. Okay. So the, the website is badleyband.com okay. or dot .rocks. <laughs> All right. I'll put that in the um, show notes. Is it dot .com or dot .rocks? Both. Or both. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And, and that'll lead. There's a couple of songs that are there, and we've got, we've been working. It's hard because uh, we're, the guy that we're working with now is actually on tour. Oh, okay. Uh, and so, you know, we're trying to find a what time. What studio are you recording at? It's with uh, Rob Diker. Okay, yeah. Yeah. He's awesome. So he, yeah, he was out with Dan Reed. Um, yeah. And, uh, He's so, a great guitar player, great engineer. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. My, my friend Stuart, I'm going to interview on, on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, he did his albums with Rob yeah. as well. And yeah. Rob played guitar with his live band at the Aladdin. Yeah, um, cool. And also, he's in the documentary that he just won a... a well, in 2017, he won a, uh, in Milan, Italy, uh, like best short documentary in an international film nice. festival for that. Nice. Yeah, Cause cool. he like decided to make an album mm-hmm. and do this thing when he was 60. And oh, so wow. Rob was like his the guy. guitar player and co, nice. you know, co-wrote a lot of the stuff and everything yeah. too. So. Yeah, that's, it's actually been, so this is, again, it's like, it's new experiences for me, all these things, right? It's like, yeah. here I am in my mid forties going, <laughs> I can do this, you know? And, uh, cause we recorded, we did some, um, uh, pre-demo stuff with a friend of ours. We used that and then we went to, uh, so that was Joe Spencer. We did some pre-demo stuff just to get all of our ideas down and, you know, it's, uh, in a, in a good format. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we went over to Kevin Hahn at Opal. Right. Those are the two that are online right now. Um, and so we got those done with him, and they were great. And so, you know, we're like, heck, yeah, let's share these things. We'd get something out there. Definitely. And then we decided to um, 
go with Rob and see, you know, just to, just to, you know, compare back and forth. And then, so we can record with Rob and then master with Kevin or whatever, we're, you know, whatever ends up happening. But yeah, it's just, you know, time. I guess it, Kevin's got another, like a second Yeah, he just started up too. a new thing too. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty cool. So yeah, so we do, so that's with Bad Ellie. And then um, Breaking the Chains is, is the docking tribute that I'm in. And we try to rehearse uh, once a week, okay. you know, timing and all that kind of right. stuff. But we have a set schedule once a week that we rehearse with. And then do you do like, how many how many docking songs do you guys play together? We have, I want to say 15 or 16 songs. That's a whole bunch good. of them. Yeah. yeah, a whole bunch of them. Yeah. We're... Um, if we play everything that we've got, we've got about, I think we've got a 90 minute show that we can pull off. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's, I saw Duckin once. Really? At the Monsters of Rock tour. In oh God, I wanted 80, to go to that so 80, bad. 89, yeah. I wanted so bad. I wanted to go to that. I never, I never did get to go to it. Oh, At the so time bad. it was called Rich Stadium where I saw it, where the Buffalo Bills played. Oh yeah. It was like 80,000 person stadium. Gee. and uh, God, that would be so cool. Yeah. That was, that was a good show, man. Yeah. Uh, and see, one of the things, like Metallica is one of my very favorite bands right. ever, and they, and that was early on when it they were. It was like, early, yeah. I would just. They yeah, were not yeah, no, yeah. not very and, well known at the time. Right. Well, and that's the thing. It's like Metallica and Van Halen. Like, oh my God, Van Halen is the reason <laughs> I play guitar, right? Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It was like Panama. Oh yeah. yeah, that's the reason I wanted to pick that thing up in the first place, right? Yeah, so. you and you and Everyone the rest else, of us in that decade. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they were like. But, uh, yeah. Axel Rose talked about when he uh, picked Slash to play with Guns N' Roses because yeah. he was like the only person who auditioned that didn't sound like Eddie Van. The, yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, and and Slash is like my other favorite. Right. Uh, I love, oh, he's so great. Love and well, of course, Izzy too. Like yeah. the songwriting and everything. It's like, man, that was just. But that was a great band. Oh like, yeah, hell yeah. So good. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, with the with breaking the chains. Um, yeah, we're we're. Putting together, so at this point, we've got 75 to 90 minutes that we can pull off. That was a fun one, because when I joined, I, I wasn't really, I didn't listen to a lot of Dokken. If it was on the radio, so when I when I grew up, we didn't have a lot of money, so I didn't have any tapes and CDs and stuff like that. I didn't, I, you know, and I didn't, I'm the oldest, so I didn't have an older brother to, you know, show me all these things, and, you know, so I didn't really have that kind of uh, foundational thing. So, and Dokken was one of those bands that was there, and I, yeah. and. Once I went back to when the guys asked me to join the band, I went back and I listened. I'm like, oh, crap, they have a ton of cool songs. I remember these ones, yeah. right? But it wasn't there for me, right? Sure. And so when I joined the band, you know, joined as, as the bass player, and it wasn't until after I joined that I realized what I was doing, <laughs> you know? I was like, oh, my God, this guy plays. Like, wow, look at all this stuff. This is hard stuff, you know? This, <laughs> this is not just some dude playing the root note. This right. Is, he's, he's playing. This yeah. is good. You know, so that was a, it's a cool challenge to try and figure these things out. The other challenge is because it's Dokken, there's not a lot written about it, right? True. So I can't find a lot of, there's not like, it's not like Van Halen where 7,000 people have, you know, intricately d documented everything you ever played, you right. know, where you can go look it all up. Yeah. Um, and so there's a lot of, this goes back to my organ, there's a lot of ear that, you know, mm -hmm. I sit there with headphones on and I'm just holding in my ear, trying to figure out what he's playing. Mm -hmm. You know, and and I I don't play nearly the way that he does, but I think I pick out enough of the important bits, and enough of the little the details that it's passable. And yeah. and, 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 and and you know, I nobody's ever said, well, that's not how he plays it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so it's been a lot of fun. But then, 
I realized after I started getting into that, so I start learning all the songs and stuff like that. And then the guys are like, oh, yeah, and by the way, that really high harmony part, yeah, that's you too. I'm like, oh, <laughs> man, I have to do what? So, you know, it's like, it's, it's a whole nother thing. I had never considered myself a singer, ever, right? I never even, cons- I, I could sing, I would sing to myself, sure. um, but I, I didn't know how to sing. Right. So as a, you know, in terms of actually being a singer, I was a terrible singer, you know, and, and to try and hit those notes, no way I couldn't do it. And so I started taking lessons and, uh, that's, uh, another debut that I haven't, I mean, I obviously I do backups and stuff like that. Yeah. And since the beginning of the, when I joined the, the backups, I've gotten much, much better at it. Yeah. Right. Um, because I, I realized that I had to like in dream warriors, super high backups. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm like, man, I don't think I can hit that note, you know, but then I started taking lessons and because it was another thing, just like when I started playing the bass or when I started the camera or when I started anything, it was like, okay, there's some technical information that I don't have right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and how to sing, there's a lot of technical details there's there. There's a lot that goes into that. Yeah. yeah. And so that's, that's a brand new thing. I've only been, I've been taking lessons since October. So okay. it's really new for Who's me. Who's your teacher for that? Uh, Eugene Lewis. Okay. He's super good. Yeah. Super, super good. Excellent. He's sort of a, he's, he's, He's like that guy that's really good that nobody really knows about. You know what I mean? <laughs> I do but, know what you mean. But, yeah. but people know about him. He's really good. He's, yeah. a, he's a really nice guy. I like him a lot. Yeah, just in, in that short amount of time, the, the confidence that I have and the ability that, you know, to hit those notes and be okay with it and learn how to actually sing, um, I've got just years and years worth of still learning. I mean, there's no way I'm, you know... <laughs> There's so much to understand, but just in the short amount of time, the short that I've been working on it, um, to be able to actually hit those notes, to, to sing the three part in my dreams, harmony and stuff like that. That's hard. Yeah. And you know, when the guys, when the guys in the band told me that I was the guy that was singing that high stuff and I started listening to it, I'm like, holy crap. Like, man, you know, so we try to be as true to albums as we can, because in my head for a tribute band to be successful, what people remember is the album, right? right? They see the show, they remember the album. So what we have to do is try to play the album and show the show, right? right? So we can't, you know, so while we have the live stuff as a reference, because there's a lot of parts that we have to try and figure out, you know, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of overdubs and all that stuff. So we we try to figure out what we leave in, what we leave out. And so we use the live shows of reference and stuff like that. But we try to sing it like the album. We try to play it like the album. How is the and, George uh, Lynch in your group? He is fantastic. Awesome. N- I'm no joke. He is spot on. So good. Because that's not easy stuff to play. There's no, not, I've no. only known one person out of the thousands of guitar players yeah. that I've met that that was yeah. pretty good at the George Lynch. Stuff, yeah. So. No, he is so so good. I mean, it's just like we listen to it. And it's like uh, you know, he's like, well, I hit a I hit a wrong note. Like, are you kidding? No, you didn't. <laughs> that was fantastic. You know. <laughs> And uh, our singer is our singer is on too. Nice. So yeah, yeah, Don yeah. Dockin, we right. we we got. I think we have a pretty good group going together. You That's know? awesome. And Do then, you guys have a website? Are you just kind of getting going? Or we it's... have a Facebook page. We okay. don't have the website up yet, right. um, but it's uh, Breaking the Chains tribute. Okay, great. Uh, I will Facebook. put a link to that yeah. in the show notes as well, so people can yeah yeah check but it yeah. Out. 
joining that was another one of those, yeah, sure, why not? Right. You know, like, oh my God, what did I get myself in? What do I have to do? You know, well, there's a lot that goes into a tribute band thing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's sort of taking on the mannerisms and the character exactly. of, of a real it's, person that you're, they... you're acting and playing at the same time, yeah. right? So it's a full on performance. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that was the, the last thing that I had to figure out. Well, I have to wear the wig. Right. You know, I have no hair. So, you know, that's kind of important. So I have the wig, but I also, you know, watching some of that live stuff, I realized that I'm the guy that runs like crazy all over the place. Oh, wow. I'm everywhere, right? It's like, <laughs> like George stands sort of over in his area. Sometimes he walks over here with something, but he's kind of over there, right? And Don's just sort of, he walks back and forth and stuff like that. Okay. And and Jeff is just like crazy man all over the place, you know? And then, of course, you know, uh, Mick, the drummer, he's back there. He's he's wild too, but he's wild in his spot, right. you know? So I had to learn how to play and run and play and well, that's you know, a good, do all that stuff. That's a good step to being able to play in like a Chili Peppers tribute band if you do <laughs> yeah, bass right? or that. Yeah. Right? yeah, I don't know about the sock though. I don't think I'm going to do that. <laughs> no, that's okay. You can maybe do this uh, stuffed animal pants. Yeah, right. That, have you seen that? That's... <laughs> yep. All right. Um, so back to photography real quick. So mm-hmm. what can help a photograph tell a story? How do you capture hmm. that in a photograph if, if you can... That's a that's a tough one. Um, So I use rule of thirds um, because that tends to get your eye to wander through the photo. Um, But there still has to be something else dynamic. You have to have. What's the golden the circle called? It's uh, I don't I don't remember the name for that. Um, It's on the same lines of rule of thirds. It's the it's the Fibonacci sequence. Okay, uh, is essentially what that. It's sort of the snail shell looking thing. But it's um, it's actually it's called it's the Fibonacci. Um, so if you were to map it out, I remember it's I don't a, remember what the formula is for. It. It's a right. crazy formula. Yeah. But, um, but it's one of those things. It's like this naturally recurring thing that just happens all the time. And that's a super good way to try and arrange a photograph. If you have control of what's going on, that is a really good way to do it. I've tried it a couple of times. I I don't necessarily see in that format. Right. So when I'm looking at it, that's rule of thirds really is just, it's sort of a meat and potatoes. It's, it's easy for my brain to think that way. And it's easy for me to lay it out and just sort of visualize it without having to think about it, you know, and that's, that's the practice thing again, right? Uh, it's like playing your guitar and not looking at your fingers while you're right. playing it, right? And figuring out how to, you know, look, look up at the ceiling while you're practicing and make sure you still hit the right notes. Um, so seeing in a rule of thirds was it was sort of like that first step when I was learning composition and trying to figure out how composition worked. That was the easiest way for me to wrap my head around it. Okay. Right. So I used that one, but that, that spiral is, mm-hmm. is a really good way. Um, and that's one of those things going back to college when I was in marketing, that was one of the things that we had talked about is when you, when a person looks at an ad, what you want them to do is there's a starting point. You want them to sort of spiral through the photo to see all the pieces so that they collect all the information in the manner that you wanted them to, in the order that you wanted it to. Right. So it's really well thought out. So like next time you're looking at an ad, just try to like, when you first look at it, try to remember how you went through it. Right. Don't, don't force your way through it, but just try to keep track of how you went through it. And then you'll, you'll start seeing how things get laid out and the information is placed in a specific, and it's the same, and it's based off of that same idea. Um, so trying to see in that format is, it's a skill. It it takes a lot of practice and a lot of, a lot of preparation. Um, if you're doing, 
um, if you're doing a controlled photo, in order to do that, you really have to know exactly what you're going for. Mm-hmm. I tend to be more on a candid side of things, sure. which is why the rule of thirds works really well for me. I don't, uh, you know, I'm not doing, I'm not doing ad layouts and things like that. And so well, there's only so many things in life in the real world we have control of, right, you know, right. there's, there's a lot of unforeseen, uh, events happening, yeah. you know, a yeah, bird flies in your, <laughs> yeah. Well, and especially with my, my chosen, uh, you know, concert photography yeah i always i always tell people to ask uh about it it's like okay well the easiest way that i can explain concert photography is shooting sports in the dark with a strobe light (laughs) it really is i mean because there's activity all over the place there's crazy lights going on and off and you you just don't know right right and so you just have to you have to get comfortable enough with those settings on the camera. You have to find the ones that work for you. Mm-hmm. And once you have those, you have to get them ingrained. And so, like I said, back to rule of thirds. That one's just in my brain. That's how my brain sees these, sees this stuff. And then all the controls on the camera, my thumb and my hand, my fingers know where to go. And they know what settings. And so I don't really have to, I don't have to stop and think about that stuff anymore. Same with playing guitar. I don't have to stop and think about the pattern anymore. I just mm-hmm. play it because I know where the things are. And it's like, okay, well, I need to play an E. Great. <laughs> you know, um, it, it's practice getting to the place where those things are comfortable and you don't have to stop and think about them. And then that's when composition comes in, right? So when, when the technical side of things is not at the forefront, you can concentrate on the other aspects. Okay. Um, and so it's just, it's like I was saying, uh, I remember, I remember specifically, um, when I started learning how to not look at my hand while I was playing, you know, what I would do is I would sit here and I would play and I would literally just stare at the ceiling. And I did that on purpose. I'm looking at the ceiling and I'm listening to what I'm playing. And if I'm off a little bit, I try to figure out where I'm off, Mm -hmm. you know, slide forward, slide back and just get comfortable with that. So I no longer have to think about that kind of thing. Right. I mean, obviously we all have to stop and look at our hand every once in a while. Um, but the less I can do that, the better off I am. The same with the camera, the less I have to actually think about the actual function of the camera, the easier it is to get what I'm going for. Um, it's just practice. Um, figuring out how composition is a super hard thing to do and, and trying to figure out how to make it a dynamic composition. That's tough. One of the things that still escapes me uh, is landscape. I get the idea, I get the theory behind it, but to try and make that the one that looks like the one in the magazine, I'm, I can't do it. <laughs> I, I don't see landscape that way. Hmm. Um, you know, once in a while, I, I, so I guess it's kind of the same thing with everything that you're, in terms of photography, what I've found is that I keep trying. You know, and I, you know, it's like, so landscape, you had to tell a story. So just like a book, you need a beginning, a middle and an end, right? Mm-hmm. So you want to do the same thing with landscape. You need a foreground, midground and a background. Otherwise you're going to have a, a picture, not a dynamic photo. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the piece. The foreground piece is the piece that's hardest for me in, in landscape photography, um, there are times where there's a foreground that just presents itself right. and you're like, all right, cool. That, you know, this is a cool, a cool wispy grass thing, you know, and then I got some neat things behind it. 
And so in that sense, there's things that present themselves, but not always like you're standing uh, someplace and you're looking you're like, wow, this is super pretty. But then you start thinking about how to compose that. It's like, oh, man, I don't know how to how to really get a good shot out of that. Right. You know, what what you want to do is you want to have something, again, that's going to lead you through the photo, right? So the foreground, midground, background, the idea is you see the foreground and then you start looking around at the things that are next to it. You know, then you, you see the mid and you see the back and then, you know, you're, you're checking, you, you move back and forth in that photo. And what you, what you don't want, you know, there, there's some composition rules right you know like anything you once you understand what you're doing then you can do it on purpose if you want to but like leading lines um, and different things. leading lines and and what you don't want to do is you don't want to have a leading line out your photo right so you want the line to lead you into the photo and then leave you there right so so you have these lines that lead to something cool at the end of it right and then you start looking at that thing and then you keep going back and forth right and you don't um um, the idea is to lead you into the photo and then have you looking around, right? Mm-hmm. So if you lead to the edge of the photo, then people just turn their head and stop <laughs> looking at it, right? With, yeah. Exactly. And so, but that's why I say, you know, once you understand it, if you do that on purpose, if that's what you're going for, done and, you know, I mean, of course you do that, right? So that's the seeing compositionally is just it's practice like anything else you know once you understand something about it like read a book and you know get a get a concept get an idea get the leading lines idea right or if you're doing portraits you don't want to cut people off with their hands or their you know their fingertips you don't want to cut them off their head usually right you kind of want to keep the top of heads in not always sometimes it's sometimes it's cool right and and that's one of those decision making things right Mm -hmm. it's like when you decide to do that do it right. don't half-ass it okay. you know just like you just that's what i'm doing so that's how i'm gonna do it um one of my very favorite portraits that i've done is actually of a friend of mine justine where i got really close and it's a frame of her face but not all of her face oh wow i actually cut it off so that it, only half of one of the eyes is there right so her nose is there and it goes into shadow on that side that I chopped off and there's light on the other side, you know, so I've got this really cool picture of her eyes and her makeup and everything. And it's just, it cuts off right after that other side. Of it. So the whole side of her face isn't there, but it's such a cool photo. Nice. And then, um, I've got another one actually of her where it's just one eye you know and well no i take that back it's it's her eyes you can't see the rest of her face there's one eye in shadow and one eye prominent and you know but it's it that's it's one of those things it's like i'm purposely doing this. i didn't accidentally do this um you know and like if you're doing a portrait you don't want to cut somebody off at a joint it looks weird okay right so like if you're doing um uh, an, uh, an upper body photo mm-hmm. you don't want to end the bottom of the photo you don't want to end it at, at their knees caps. it okay. looks weird yeah. it, okay. it, it feels wrong sure. but if you end it in their mid thigh it's done on purpose and it doesn't feel wrong okay right it just, so when you look at that photo that photo it doesn't feel like you chopped something off it feels like you did it right you, like you chose how would you describe those more artistic like crop choices and shadow mm-hmm. choices uh, dramatic or would they be I mean I, I'm sure it varies but um, it's it's a choice right I mean that's that's really what it comes down to so if it's an accident 
it feels like an accident, yeah. right? If it's if it's an on purpose, then it becomes dynamic. So the intention behind it, yeah. leads to the right. It's like a like a author that writes a story and knows the backstory, of the yeah. family that isn't in the book, right? Already, so right. You, even though it's not there, it's imp- it's it's implied or it's felt or whatever it is. There's something there, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Um, but yeah, that's the that's the thing, and I mean, it's like recycling somebody else's uh, sayings, but once you know the rules, then you know what you're doing when you're breaking the rules. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and that's, that's really what comes down to same thing with music. Note choice is important. And if you, just because there's an actual scale or something like, doesn't mean you have to stick in that scale. You can play any note you want. Yeah. Um, you might end up with some weird ass 12 tone music, but <laughs> I never could understand that. Yeah, it was so sorry. crazy time. Yeah. Um, but when you do it on purpose and you know which rule you're breaking, mm-hmm. you know, like if you just hit that note that's half step outside that scale and then slide it into the scale, that's cool. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Versus playing that note and going, oh shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, well, I have seen some people play the wrong note and then they just hold it. Well, over the different chord changes and suddenly it sounds in tune. You're like, actually, that was kind of cool. Yeah, and that goes back to that. It's how you recover the mistake. Yeah. Or if if in that case was a mistake or a choice, whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if if it started as a mistake, it became a choice and then it became part of the thing, right? Same thing with photography. You know, it's about recovering it. So if you make a mistake, eh, you try again. Or, Or you take that mistake a little bit further and go, now it's a choice. I've, I've... you know, I've, I've recropped this or I've reconfigured this thing so that now it's doing what I want it to do. Yeah. So yeah, it's just knowing the rule, but you don't have to stick to the rule. That's, that's what creativity is. Right. So, yeah. So with photography, how can photography help with musicians and bands, with businesses, with anybody who's trying to start anything? Yeah. And also how does marketing tie into all of that? And where do you see that going over the next, say, two, three years? One more thing about that. Sorry, real quick. Um, I read a quote, and I don't know if there's any kind of reason to to expect it to be true or not, but 85% of the content that people will be consuming in the next two years will be on YouTube or some platform like that. Man, I better get on there. (laughs) (laughs) I have a YouTube channel, and it has nothing useful on it. As much as I hate to say it, video is definitely taking over. Um, as a still photographer and a person who knows that he's not great at video, that's a hard thing for me. And trying to keep what I'm doing relevant is tough. Is there a way that you can do your photography in a video form? You know, put it into, uh, let's say, you know, because if you're trying to do like a show, mm-hmm. you know, you can do you can do a show, a virtual show, right. With music, with your, you know. Yeah, there's definitely ways to do it, um, and still, and still be on the photographic side versus the video side yeah. of things. It's a new skill, mm-hmm. um, and it's just I, I haven't picked it up yet. Is, is, but that's why I say, as a person that's I love still photography, and that's hard to see. I mean, it's not hard to see that everything's going to video because. Photos are still important, right? They and always will be, I think. The, yeah, you know, as you're scrolling through on Facebook or Instagram or stuff like that, it's a it's a mix, mostly of photos still mm-hmm. and some video. 
and of course, you know, the video is going to, like you said, it's going to go to YouTube. And one of the things that drives me most crazy is when I go to something on YouTube, if I go to something that's just a bunch of still photos over and over again, it's like, oh, come on, this is not video, right? This is not the right format for this. Um, I get it. It's a way to get it out there. Right. Um, and it's a way to put it on that particular platform because it's video based, right? So that makes sense. But yeah, it's... Uh, it, it's it's interesting for me trying to figure out how to keep the photos relevant and, and but on the other hand in terms of marketing and stuff like that what band do you know of that doesn't have photos out there what band do you know of that doesn't need a photo for their album cover or right. for their release music whatever it is they're doing for their for the cover page on their facebook or you know and in terms of in terms, so for for that band, like a starting out band or a giant band, either way, photos are are relevant. They're mm-hmm. necessary in order to continue that thing going. It's marketing, um, and so you know, for for any band, you need a portrait. You want to have you want to have good dynamic photos of live. And one of the things that I feel like, if you have good live photography. Even though it's a still photo, if it's done well, then you still get movement. Yeah. You still, it's not a video, but you still feel that energy coming through, right? And that's that a big sense. thing. Yeah. Um, and so that's sort of what I try to focus on is if I can figure out how to make that energy still be happening, mm-hmm. right? I want, I want it to look like, oh man, this was cool. Everybody's having a great time, you know, super energetic and that kind of thing. So that's what I always, that's my goal is to try and find those shots um, and that way I can still be a still photographer and it's, it's still in there, still necessary, relevant, yeah. that kind of thing. And so for a band to, you know, for a band that not have that kind of stuff, it's hard to book outside of, um, your comfort zone. Right. Um, because anybody who doesn't know you as a person has no, no reference point. Right. So photos are the like the gateway in photo and video are the way in and you got to have audio um you know so if you don't have any of those things if you have one of those things or kind of a little bit of those things it's still difficult right yeah. you need like a package um and so i think in that case like you know the electronic press kit is the big deal um photos have to be part of that right if it's all video and and audio that's cool you know you get the show and stuff like that but you don't leave anything for the for the venue to promote with they promote with that photo right i think the show poster is still a big a big piece right Mm -hmm. even though even though the you know the poster is electronic and it's you know maybe it's on facebook as an event or something it's still the show poster you know um you know and i mean there's one of my that was my that was my very first show poster it's ants in the kitchen at the crystal ballroom nice and uh yeah that was just you know well again as a still photographer that's the kind of thing i like i want to look at that kind of stuff over and over again oh that's a ton i mean there's a ton of character movement you can yeah almost hear the music coming out of it you know right that's great yeah, and that's that's I think where the in terms of marketing and things like that goes. I think that's where for a band that's the kind of thing. You know, you want an energetic live performance. You want both video and stills um because they get shared differently. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and then of course you need some audio um, to go along with it. Um, and so, yeah. And then like in terms of presence online and things like that, um, you know, those kinds of things are used to build your website. Yeah. Even if your website is 90% video, you can still have that background photo mm-hmm. that the video is on and that kind of stuff. Um, so, you know, I think it's still there. Um, and, uh, trying to, you know, trying to stay relevant trying to, trying to market it is, it's a challenge and you always have to learn those new things, you know? So, you know, I can't be, uh, you know, for me personally, like I would love to take black and white photos all the time, but not everybody wants that, you know? Right. So it's a thing you have to, you have to learn how to, how to process. You have to learn how to edit the black and white. You have to learn how to edit the color because they're very different edit styles. Yeah. Um, you have to, you know, there's, there's the, um, I'm trying to remember the word for it. I've tried to do it a couple of times. It's like an animated still. It's pretty cool. A GIF it's, or something or not? It's not, not, quite. not quite a GIF, but it's like a GIF. Okay. It's where you take a still photo and you animate one piece of it. Oh, okay. And just like, for instance, like a, like a, a river or something okay. going through, right? So you have the landscape on the sides of the river is all all still photo, and then you have the river sort of flowing down through wow. the middle of the thing. Okay. So it's a it's a video of still, you know, so like interesting a so. moving. I can't remember the name of it. It's actually a thing, but it's like a gif. But mm-hmm. but yeah, you do it with the still photo. So that's um, it. It's another one of those things you have to have the right subject to do it and try to try to do it i did one recently of a drummer mm-hmm. um i had i only had three shots so it's not it's kind of choppy and i turned it into a gif but basically i took one shot of the whole kit and then he was doing different things in each of the so i animated him oh, so cool. within the within the kit i animated him um and so yeah he's just he's drumming back and forth going across the cymbals Nice. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it turned out really neat. I liked it a lot. Yeah. Had I, had I taken more photos, I could have made it smoother transition. Okay. But you can do the same thing. If, if you do it with a video, you can take a still out of the video and, and do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the difference being that this, the video resolution is for my camera. The video resolution is not as great as the full resolution of okay, my sensor. Sure. So a still picture is a higher resolution. So any marketing tips for anybody who is a musician or an artist or a business that is trying to kind of get their their brand out there, their name known, their audience built up, right? all of that good stuff? Hire me, I'll do photos. There you go. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I mean, honestly, from my opinion, you've you got to have photo, video, and audio. If mm-hmm. you're a band, I mean, that's that's what you do. Yeah. You know, so if, if you don't have those things, then, you know, it's, it's more difficult. Yeah. Like I said, once you get outside of your, of your group or your, your community where people don't know who you are. Right. Yeah. Not just your mom going to your show, but maybe right. some other exactly. people too. Yeah, yeah. Maybe some people you don't know, yeah. you know, so bringing all your friends to all your shows every time after a while, your friends are going to stop coming to all your shows. Exactly. You know? Yes. So trying to do that, you need to have all those pieces in place. And so, yeah, I think, uh. I mean, I love doing band photos. I, yeah. I really do. I have a good time doing it. And the thing, it's just my approach to a photo shoot is fun. Like, if it's not fun, I don't want to do it. There's right. nothing. It shouldn't be serious. It shouldn't. We should screw around, have a good time. Let's do it. Yeah. You know. And so it should be easy. It should be comfortable. It should be you know 
something that we can do. Um, so yeah, in terms of in doing that, I think that kind of thing also, it translates into the photo, mm-hmm. um, and it adds that energy that we're looking for. Right. So even if it's just a band photo, everybody's posed, if we're having a good time, people's faces are lighter you yes. know, and it's more approachable, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, it's, I like that. Yeah, that's good. <clears throat> so everybody, if you're in a band, Paul Brown's your guy. Yes. Photography. <laughs> um, so what are t- one or two memorable stories from your career so far in photography, music, whichever you, know, you want to choose? Or you I've had even... a really good time doing this stuff. Yeah. Right? Um, the photography, um, I mean, I, I love just being at the show. I, re- I really do. Um, one of the... One of the, f- I've, I've, I've managed to shoot a lot of really cool things. Um, I, uh, years ago, I, I was, um, I was helped to go on tour, uh, like a mini tour with, um, Delana and a bunch of the local guys, Brandon and Kevin Hahn and okay. Jeff Buhner and Kevin Rankin. And, um, I got to go, uh, to, Minnesota and Wisconsin with them and do a couple of shows and I went up to Seattle with them um but this show that we did in Wisconsin they were opening it was a festival it's like 25,000 people <laughs> you know and I mean here I am with my camera and a backstage pass and I'm like holy shit this is super cool yeah and uh you know so I mean tons of cool stuff shine down playing that night and buck cherry and uh Blackstone Cherry. I mean, I love these guys. These are all, this is really cool, right? And of course, Delana opens the show. And so, you know, here I am like, this is awesome. Um, But one of the things that I remember the most was it was really neat. We were backstage just hanging out by the tour buses. And, uh, you know, we were talking as a small group of people. And I didn't really know the guys. I was just there. We were hanging out and talking. I didn't know who they were. you know, and the the guy, he's talking, he's got a southern accent, and uh, he's talking, and he's like, yeah, when we get done with tour, I told my buddy I'd come over and help him mow his lawn, he's got a couple of acres, you know, riding lawnmower, blah, 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 and he's, he's telling this story, you know, and I looked down, and, you know, he's got tattoos all over his arms, so I'm checking out his tattoos, because they're pretty cool, and one of them is this, like, train going right across his forearm, and uh, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, huh, whatever, you know. So we get done, you know, we break off and, and all that. And um, later on, Blackstone Cherry is playing. It was the lead singer. <laughs> he's, he's, you know, he's just like totally normal, cool guy. He's like, yeah, my buddy's having some hard time. So I told him to help him mow his lawn. I'm like, really? This is cool. Right. You know, so it's that kind of thing. And, and seeing the reality of, of you know, he's behind a person. The he's yeah. just chill. Everything's cool, you right. know. And. There's only been one or two um, people that I've met that was just like, oh, come on, man, really? You know, a little bit full of yourself, don't care. Right. But <laughs> for the most part, I've met like a whole bunch of just really cool guys, really chill. Yeah. You know, I mean, I got to do, uh, I got to do this festival, uh, Guitars Under Stars, the first year that they did that uh, here locally. And um, they had... You know, Tracy Guns and Rudy Sarzo, Robert Cray, Los Lonely Boys, and like Pat Travers, a whole bunch. It was wow. like a three-day thing. It was a big deal. Yeah. And uh, there was a ton of really cool... And I remember... Uh, oh, and P.O.D. was there. And they were they, the, they were playing the first night. 
and uh, the the guys that put the show together, they wanted to get a photo with them, and so they came. They I was in the middle of shooting some other band. I don't at this time. I honestly don't remember what band it was. But like, hey, we need to. We got a photo op. We need to, somebody. So they pulled me over there, and you know, I'm like, holy crap, this is POD. This is awesome, you know. And so we're in their we're in their RV, and we do a couple of photos, and then just hang out. They were the coolest guys. They're just totally down to earth chill nice and uh you know they play their show after after their show we're backstage and we're just talking and hanging out by their bus and it's like it was really neat you know same thing with like Los Lonely Boys and uh uh Tracy Guns and Rudy Sarzel they're just chill you know it's <laughs> like it was really neat I actually got a couple of my really favorite photos um there's there's a few of Tracy and a few of Rudy and you know, I mean, these are guys that's like been well, following you guys for so long. Right? Didn't you Rudy know? play with like Ozzy and with White Snake? Yeah. too, back in the day. Quiet Riot. Quiet Riot. Yeah. 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 All kinds. You know, and, and, and wow. I can't remember who he's. He's playing with a bunch of stuff now too, and you know, Tracy Guns is like originating right, of LA, LA Guns, Guns yeah. and 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 Guns and Roses. Oh my God. Yeah. I, yeah. That's I where Guns came that. from. Yeah, so yeah. you know, I'm like, this is super cool, and so. Some of my favorite photos, and I've actually shared them online and um, had like mini conversations with them. I'm like, holy shit, that's so cool, <laughs> you know. So, just the amount of opportunities that I've that I've had, it's it's so cool, and it's it's because I've you know because of friends. Yes, it, it really comes down to the you know the people that I've made friends with, and and you know everybody. Like I said in the community we're all just sort of supporting each other mm -hmm. and, and you know and doing you know it's like you hear somebody needs help with this or that and it's like well i know this guy he does that you know and i've got a friend who does this and um you know or if somebody asks me about video i'm like well in my head i'm like i know who the video guys are i i you know it's like i'm not going to take the job and go oh you know i can do it sure whatever and then you know it's like no and you want a good videographer go talk to bobby bobby's kick ass yeah you know whatever whatever it happens to be and it's that same kind of thing the opportunities that i've been afforded is just put in some practice and i got some cool shots and and, and i've managed to build up sort of this presence i guess i don't, I don't know it's hard to it's sort of hard to still see me in this kind of way you know well it's the paul but brown photography brand of, of concert photography it right? is and it's such a weird thing to me because it's just me taking photos you know but it, it is but it's you with a lot of time and experience taking photos that yeah. other people can't achieve because they haven't put in those right hours. the the practice and things but the and that's the that's the thing. Those are, that's these opportunities that I've had is like, man, that is so cool. I can't believe I got to do that. It's like this is neat, you know. I got to shoot uh, L.A. Guns when when they got together when the, when it was the actual original band when they first got back a few years back. I actually got to go shoot the show. I'm like, ah, this is cool, you know. And uh, it's it's those kinds of things, and it's just building those relationships so that when that kind of opportunity comes past, it's like. I'll pass this on, you know, it's like, I know this guy and this guy knows me and, mm -hmm. you know, and we, and we do that kind of thing. Yeah. It's been really neat. Excellent. Um, but yeah, it's still, it still trips me out when people come up, you know, I meet them for the first time and they're like, Oh, Hey, what's your name? I'm like, Oh, I'm Paul. Like, well, what's your last name? Brown. And then, and then I get this weird look <laughs> and, and that's still the look that just, it, it makes me laugh and it's, it's weird to me, right? Because they I, they get this look and they're like, it's happened a bunch of times. So, like Paul Brown photography? I'm like, yeah, that's me. 
And I go, holy shit, I love your stuff. I'm yeah. Like, oh my God, this is so weird. <laughs> All right, cool, man. So, I mean, I love it. It's, yeah. it's super cool. But that was always one of my things as a photographer. I'm the guy with the camera attached to my face. So nobody really knew what I looked like. And, you know, so it's <laughs> like I was, right. I was there. They knew the watermark. And, you know, and I've had that happen a bunch of times too. Like, you know, like I've seen your watermark on a bunch of stuff. It's, it's like, oh, cool. You yeah. know, and that's why I do it. Because, like I said earlier, once it goes online, you sort of lose control of it. So as it spreads, whatever, however it's going to be, hopefully that thing goes along and there's a little bit of recognition that comes yeah. back with it that leads to other stuff. Is photography in any way lucrative for you? I have managed to pay for my camera bag with it. Okay. Um, not not the physical bag, but all of, all of my gear yeah. is now self sustaining. There you um, go. As a as a career, a profession, a living? No, it's okay. not a living. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I have a day job. Right. And so I haven't decided to make it a living. Yet. Right. I think if I if I wanted to, it would be a lot of work, and I think that that's why I haven't done it. Right. As of yet, because my day job is actually a really good gig. It takes the fun and the lightness out of it when you make what you love. Yeah, your definitely soul, you know. Yeah, and I don't want to discourage people that that's where your heart <laughs> is, but uh, there's See, a reality the, to it. Yeah, yeah, yep, there is. When it becomes a business, it's a different entity. As a separate story, I was a I was a collegiate bowler, and the tour, college bowling tour, the whole thing, and I wasn't I wasn't the best. I was good enough to be pro, but I would have been a low pro, which means that I would have had to struggle. You know, mm. I probably would have made enough to finance my traveling and whatnot and not go underground, but I wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been comfortable, right? But what happened was I got to that point and when it was, when it was time to decide to go pro or not, I realized I wasn't having fun because it had become a job, not a, not a job, but it was like so much extra effort went into it. And it stopped being fun. It stopped being what I started doing it for. And while I don't, I mean, at this stage in my life, I don't think if I was to turn photography into a business, I would have a backup plan already, right? I mean, it's going to be like early retirement. That's when I go and make this a thing, make this an an actual living. That'll be my trade regular day job for this regular day job, but with a cushion, Mm -hmm. you know, because I've had the years of regular day job. But like you said, it's, it's a completely different thing when you turn it into an actual thing where you have to make money, where you have to do enough to make it live. It's a hustle. Yeah. And it's work. And it takes a lot to be ramen profitable. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. to live on top ramen. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, I, I considered it, I considered it successful when, when I was able to upgrade my equipment mm-hmm. with money that I had earned. There you go. You know, yeah. and so that was really, that was goal number one is get to that point where I'm just, where I'm even, where I can, where I can get that cool thing that, I, you know, the, the Sigma lens that I bought, the yeah. $1,600 Sigma, I did a, a, a wedding. Cool. Just paid for that lens. Done. You know, when I, when I upgraded my camera, I had a, I had a good summer. I had like two weddings and several other like photo jobs and stuff. I was like, cool. 3,500 bucks, camera done. Let's do it. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, when that you, was cool. When you do weddings, do you bring two cameras or do you do it with one camera i have done both okay uh, i like having two cameras but i kind of would rather have two cameras with an assistant or okay, sure uh, you know something like that just in that it's for a wedding uh, same for a concert i mean for a concert i would never go with two cameras it's just too much in, in the middle of a crowd that's crazy right. time 
Um, but it's the same idea is you need to be mobile and you need to be, you have to see it and you have to get there. And with two cameras and the accompanying equipment and all the stuff that goes along with it, I'm slower. Sure. Right. Because then you got stuff bouncing around physically. Right. And, and trying to control to all this stuff. It's right. It's like you don't want yeah. to miss a shot. So I've done, I've done both. I did one wedding where I borrowed my friend had a, a 5D Mark IV, the 50 megapixel. Mm -hmm. That one is kick ass for portrait. It's so good. But it's not as good in low light. So right. there's a there's a big difference in low light capability, which is why I don't go with that one. But for a wedding that has enough light and all that kind of stuff, those portraits were so good. You know, I mean, that camera is super cool. Yeah. I love it. But juggling both of them during that wedding, because I had, you know, I had my bag that had extra lenses on it because I have more than two lenses. So I have my bag. I have two cameras hanging off of each shoulder. And then, you know, it's like, oh, crap, which one's which? I don't remember. You know, it's it's tough. So it would be nice to if I was if I'm doing two cameras, I would like to have an actual person to help me control some of the just the stuff. Yeah, right. And yeah. Keep it straight. And, and so that so they can maintain mobility. I've found my Mark three. It's I mean, it's great. Yeah. You know, and it's not that it doesn't get really good portraits and stuff like that. They're just a full size blown up shot of uh, my camera. I can make it a poster. I can make it giant, literally. So I had one photo from uh, Hairfest, the tribute festival every summer. Last year, the owner of the Wild Hair, the, uh, one of the sponsors for Hairfest, she wanted a new photo. She saw one of mine. She asked if she could use it. And we actually blew it up to six feet by six feet. And so I haven't seen it yet. I talked to her yesterday, literally, <laughs> about it. She has it. She just needs to hang it. So my camera, you know, I mean, I've got enough information on that sensor that I can make a big photo, and it, and it's still going to look really, really good. Nice. But that Mark IV, I mean, that's just, you're, you're doubling the megapixels, which is like resolution way through the roof. And the cool thing about that is that you can actually be a little bit loose on your crop, mm. which means you still have tons of information. So if you if you crop in on it, you're not losing, you, you're still gonna get a really big, really nice photo with a lot of resolution. So yeah. you can be a little bit looser on your crops and things like that. Um, so there's that added benefit. But like I said, if, if you have any kind of low light situation, you really need to think about it. Have you tried the 1DX Canon? No, I haven't. I, I thought about it, but in fact, when I was looking at my 5D, I considered that one. It's, I mean, it's like six grand for that, $6,700 or something like that. I considered it, but I found that it also doesn't have the low light capability that the Mark III does. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, super cool photos and yeah. stuff like that. But I the think Mark it's III meant was. for like the Olympics, <clears throat> like type of you yeah. know, action photography. And... Yeah. In video, I know it shoots 120. Yeah, yeah, that thing um, is that thing is great. Yeah, but yeah, it's just I did a lot of research because, like I said, I got to the point where I had a really good summer. I'm like, man, I need to upgrade the camera, and uh, I was weighing through a bunch of different options trying to figure out. And when I came right down to it, that the Mark the 5D Mark IV hadn't come out yet, so we didn't have that wasn't an option. So there was the 1D, the Mark III, and then there was a a couple other lower end, uh, not lower end, but different. Right. Right. Um, within the lineup. And uh, I did tons of reading, tons of research, trying to, this goes down to understanding how the actual camera works. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm looking at the specs and trying to balance out and figure out, because by that, by the time I bought this particular camera, I knew what I wanted. I understood what I could get out of it. And so it was, you know, it was easy to figure out. Yeah. I was like, well, I want to do this. And so 
figuring out what that most important piece for me was. And really what it came down to is I shoot a whole lot of concert stuff. Mm -hmm. And so because I'm shooting so much concert stuff, I really need that low light capability. And so the ISO was a big, big part of my choices. And then everything else, you know, it was like, all right, cool. You know, that one. What photographers and creative people or any other kind of artists would you recommend checking out? There's always the classics. And for me, I'm a fan of Ansel Adams. Yeah, um, I love his stuff. You know, I mean, how could you not? That's yeah. just, this goes back to the black and white and yeah. all this. I love it. You know, it just, it makes me feel something when I look at that photo. For music, I mean, I, I've been reading like Guitar World and Rolling Stone and those things since I was a teenager, you know, and I love those things. And so like Ross Halfin is, and Jim Marshall, for for rock photographers those two guys man those guys are great so those are like a couple of my favorite you know rock photographers yeah the i don't know the automotive photography it's a whole nother skill there's a guy that i just uh actually i watched a show first is where i first found him but then i looked him up his name's uh pepper yandel oh my god his car photos are so cool they are just kick-ass what do you Super think good. makes a great car photo because there's so many factors, right? The yeah. the glare and the the light. I mean, yeah. I feel like light is such a big part of that. But it's then a, it's a huge part. And the the thing with automotive photography is to really do a good job. Like, so I've watched a couple of behind the scenes videos of how he does it. He shoots by himself, but it, he shoots remote. So he'll okay. set the camera up, and he composites everything. And so what he does is. He has a remote and then he has a remote flash and he carries that flash around, that flash head, and he lights things and he takes specific photos all the way around and then composites it back together again. Wow. Yeah, so he can shoot on location by himself with a single flash and he just puts it all back together again. That's incredible. Because otherwise what you end up needing is a really big space. Yeah. Um, Because I'm doing more and more flash photography. I I shied away from it for a long time because I didn't understand it. And and it's just another technical thing you have to learn. And it's just, it's a huge amount of trial and error. And you bounce Um, the flash most of the time, don't you? um, Or not It depends on the situation. Okay. Um, You would, well, again, it's it's all about creative control and, and breaking rules and you know that kind of thing. So sure. you know you do what you do to get what your what your view is. And so I've started getting into flash photography in the last probably three or four years, and I've gotten a lot better at it. And, you know, when I started out, I had a couple of speed lights. I didn't really know how to do it. Bouncing the flash is it's cool. There's not a lot of error with it, right? You bounce it, it's going to look pretty good. That was learning the difference between the little crappy pop-up flash, which I hate. The 5D doesn't even have one. Mm. No flash on that thing. So it's all um, off. So it's it's either hot shoe or off off camera. So I went from using the little pop-up flash. I read about it. I figured out, okay, well, now I know why I don't like that thing. I I understand what's going on. It's a small light source. It's going to look weird and, you know, that kind of thing. The bigger the light source, the softer it's going to be. You know, the smaller the light source, you're going to get a hard light, um, which is going to give you some sharp shadows and things like that. And it, and it really comes down to creativity at that point. Once you get it, then you know how to manage it, right? And so I shied away from it a long time. And w- with concerts, I really didn't. I found that I didn't always need it. There's times now where I do actually use a flash while I'm shooting a concert. Generally, it's to combat that red light thing that we were talking about earlier. And okay. with digital, it's just how the sensor actually processes. There's a thing, it's, I think it's called a bear array. It's a color grid thing that lays over the sensor and colors the pixels. And uh, it's just how the camera does it. But there's more red than there is of anything else. 
it's more sensitive to red. So I would use a flash now in order to combat some of that red because you can't always pull the red out without it looking funky and weird. So you use a flashing concert photography now? Sometimes. Sometimes. Right. Yeah, yeah, I do. For years and years, I didn't. If you use it right, and what I do is I turn that flash down as far as I can go. So I'm using just a tiny bit of flash, just enough to light the subject. Okay. And again, it depends on the distance from the subject and stuff like that. And I, since I try to shoot fairly close most of this time because I like that feel, mm -hmm. it works. I can get the flash to throw that far without being weird. But yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. And then it's just, it's learning a new trick. You know, and I, I graduated from speed lights, so now I have mm, like four speed lights um, with remote triggers. So I went from the little pop-up to the hot shoe speed, speed light to now I have remote triggers where I can trigger, you know, multiple flashes all at the same time off of a remote. And the remote mounts mm -hmm. on your... On the hot shoe on yep. the camera. Yep. Yeah. And so I've got four remote triggers and then each like the speed lights can be triggered optically so i can use i can use the radio remotes to trigger my big studio lights and then i can trigger one of the speed lights with the radio remote and then that speed light will act as a master to the any other speed lights so i can i think i've got seven different flash heads at this point so i can you know i can light up all kinds of stuff yeah you know and it's just like i said it's i i started figuring out and each time I would run into a roadblock I'm like well how, how, how am I doing this so in terms of car photography it's just it's an even bigger light source is what you need like I've seen some behind the scenes on like motor trend shots and stuff like that and they have like this huge room that's got this massive seamless um, so there's no you know edges and stuff like that right. and then they've got this like 10 foot wide light panel up above the car and you wow. know it's like how am I going to do that in a garage <laughs> you know I can't do that how, yeah, how, no. do you, how do you do that outside it's it's not happening so that's when I found the, this guy Pepper uh, Pepper Yandel and I saw how he was doing it's like whoo suddenly it's attainable yeah you know and obviously he's got tons of skill you know and I'm in, in terms of automotive photography I'm not you know I need to practice that's sure. the, I, I've I've done it on I've got a couple of nice cars um decided to treat myself because I'm middle-aged now <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know I've 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 tried out on a couple a couple of times and you know I've come up with results that I'm that I'm happy with and you know it's just practicing trying it and trying and trying and like you said Cars are a, a tough thing because you have all these cool angles, yeah. but all these cool angles make weird reflections and you have to try to figure out where they're at. And With guitars as well. Same thing. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, yep. For sure. So yeah, there's, there's tons of stuff. There's that in terms of people that I, that I watch, um, Pepper is the one I, because I love cars. I mean, I really do. <laughs> I don't know how many times I've said that, but yeah, I do. Yeah, it's a few, but that's all right. Um, would, you're getting that point across. So, yeah, I mean, so for me, cars cars and music and photography, they're they're all equal footing for yeah. me. And uh, I, I would recommend checking him out if you like cars at all. Nice. Check his stuff out. It's really cool. What advice would you give 16-year-old Paul if he would listen? <laughs> listen. Yeah. <laughs> keep trying you know the one thing that i wish is that i would have put myself out there a little bit more mm -hmm. right i wish i wouldn't have waited until i was in my 40s to join my first band uh, as much as i enjoyed music and i enjoyed learning and playing and i i do it for me for me a bad day is fixed by sitting down with my guitar 
right? If if I'm having, Cindy will do the same thing, you know, if I'm having a bad day, if I'm just not in a good mood, you know, whatever it is, it's just like, well, why don't you go in the music room for a little bit, you know, just hang out for a while. And uh, it's that thing, it's like, you sit down with it and, you know, for 20 minutes or so, you're just struggling, you just don't, you're not into it. And then something flips and you just let everything else go. It just goes and you just start playing right so as much as that was that's always been there for me and then you know i've always i always sit down i'll play and it'll be hours and hours and i'm like holy crap it's dark in here <laughs> and uh you know so there's that so as a if i could tell if i could get me as a kid to do something it would have been you know not necessarily join a band but don't be so afraid i would always get to a point where i understand a thing and i you know I get how it works and stuff like that. But then I was always afraid to put myself out there and make that mistake. You know, that first mistake. And it was like, yeah. oh my God, everybody's watching. Oh, what do I do? I was too afraid of that. So if That's I wasn't... That's a tough one to learn. Yeah. You know? If I wasn't super confident in what I was doing, I wasn't going to do it. And music is hard. There's so much stuff and so many different pieces. I read I read a cool book um, by the... I think it was the bass player, The Squeeze. Um can't remember the guy's name it's this, this is your brain on music nice man i love that book it was such a cool book he was bass player he made it he went on tour world, world tours and the whole big deal right and uh, when the band naturally stopped he went back to school and got a doctorate in neuroscience <laughs> with a thesis on music and how you how it interacts with your brain wow and uh, it was just it was super cool because it was at that point that I realized how many different pieces there are that are going on in order to be a musician, right? Mm -hmm. And so the mistakes that I was afraid of making, and I, I mean, I get why I was afraid of making those mistakes. Um, and it's because you're not just sitting there playing a guitar. You're playing a guitar. You're keeping time. You're, you're, there's muscle memory in your fingers. You're listening. You're reading. You're, you know, you're sight reading, whatever it is you're doing. There, you're doing so much more than just playing a guitar, right? right? All these little components that go into it. And for me, I was always afraid because I wasn't, I wasn't comfortable enough with any given piece of that to like, you know, and I was afraid to make the mistake. So if, uh, if I could tell my, uh, my younger self, like, don't be afraid of that mistake, you know, just try it. If, yeah. if it works, cool. If it doesn't learn something, do, yeah. do better next time. You know, and I mean, I've always been able to try, but not in a public setting. Okay. So that was always the hard part for me. But you figured so, it out. I, well, yeah. And you middle age. You got there. <laughs> That's all right. You know, it's never too late to learn, and I think oh, everybody's sure. learning and growing, and everybody has sort of inner struggles like that. You yeah. know, I remember like there's a couple of things that I heard. One was at a song camp that I went to, in Sisters, Oregon. One of the instructors said, the best thing that somebody ever told me that helped my performances more than anything else and helped me be able to do this better than anything else I heard was, it's none of my business what anybody else thinks of me. Yeah. And so if you, if you sort of remove that burden of, right. I'm going to make a mistake and they're going to judge me and mm -hmm. I'm going to feel bad for it. Right. Um, it's very freeing yeah, because sure. you're not limited anymore, you know? Right. Right. Anymore. All you got to do is be happy with what you're doing and yeah. enjoy yourself. And yeah. yeah. And, and keep learning and growing from yeah. it. But yeah. I love that. 
How do photographers, creative people, and artists keep from being obscure or obsolete and just sort of get lost in the yep the noise of the world? you got to keep learning something new. Okay. Yep. Good. Stick with it and keep learning. If, uh, if you stop learning, if you, start, if you keep doing the same old thing, well, that's what you're doing. Same old thing, and eventually people are going to move on. So, yeah, yeah trying, to, trying to do something different and just thinking about that creative side. Just let that creative side drive for a while. You know, <laughs> something's going to happen. It'll yeah, be, you know. use your right brain also. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> How important do you feel that music and the arts are to society? Oh, totally important. Uh, yeah, this goes back to what we were saying earlier. It's like, you know, I mean, if we didn't have that, then creativity, music, the arts, that's the creative side. And we need that to survive. So if I didn't have music as an outlet, those bad days wouldn't go away. You know what I mean? It's that a bad day where I'm like, you know what, I'm just gonna, you know, I'm gonna pick up this guitar and I'm just gonna, I don't know what's gonna come out. And I don't care what's gonna come. I'm just gonna let it come out. You yeah. know, and when it comes out, and then four hours later, you're like, holy crap, that was awesome. <laughs> you know, if we, if that wasn't an outlet, I don't know what I would do. You know, I, I, I wouldn't be complete. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't have, uh, when I'm at a show, when I'm at a concert, when I'm doing a portrait set, when I'm shooting a wedding, I can't stop shooting. It's just one of those things that it makes me happy. So I can't imagine not having that kind of a thing. Yeah, It's still out there. I just hope that there's some sort of um, importance put on it still, right? I don't yeah. want that to go away. The younger generations and stuff like that, I hope that they're still encouraged, that they still have that drive and they still are able to fulfill that drive. And I mean, I don't know what it's going to look like, but it just needs to, that creativity needs to be fostered. It has to continue. Yeah. Because otherwise we're just going to be a bunch of boring old robots. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Nobody wants that. No. I think you've answered this, so we can skip it if you want. Uh, should photographers and creative artists just go for it or get a stable job and do their art on the side? Hmm. Uh, you know what? Uh, I was talking with my wife about that earlier, um, trying to figure out how to answer it. It's, Obviously, I have a stable job. Um, I didn't ever really have a plan. I accepted things as they came is, I guess, the easiest way for me to consider it. This job that I have, I didn't necessarily seek it out. I wanted a job. At that point in my life, I didn't really have the outlets either. Um, that was at the same time that digital photography was still pretty crappy and I couldn't afford film. And so I really didn't have that. That wasn't a solid piece of me. Uh, at that point in time when I got this job. And then musically, I had just gotten out of college and I had tried so hard to get that minor. And, you know, it was a minor in jazz and jazz was not my my main drive. I mean, it just, I was at U of O and that's the kind of school it is. So it was a jazz thing. And um, while I enjoy jazz, I'm just not a jazz player. Right. My actual skills really weren't that good, you know. So at the point in time when when, when I chose the, the day job route, it sort of just, that was a natural progression for me at that point in time. There's definitely a part of me that wishes that I would have just thrown it all to the wind and said, I'm joining a band, let's do it. You know, I mean, heck yeah, I still want to do that. <laughs> you know, so the there's definitely that point. But it's hard to say because 
there's stability versus, you know, and it really comes down to your risk aversion. Where does your risk aversion lie? How much risk are you willing to take on? Because you can get really high with some really big lows. Right. Or you can sort of take a safer route where you sort of mute some of those highs and lows, but you're, you're stable. You're, you can make it through, you know. So for me, it was sort of the safer route. Uh, well, not sort of, it's definitely the safer route. You know, I've had a super stable job for 20 years and you know it's allowed me to to explore the other things that i want to you've kept on with your creative stuff you have yeah that was never uh... right yeah and then i didn't really have to give up any of it at the same time like i said it took the highs and the lows out of that right right so there was still i was i was able to do it maybe i could have maybe i couldn't have i don't know It's, it's looking back but at the same time, I'm not a person who does a lot of regrets. Yeah. I don't I don't rethink things. I mean, yeah, there's hindsight and I could have changed things. But my personal philosophy or theory is that I have made all of the best decisions I could have at the time with the information I had. That's and great. That's, <laughs> yeah. And that's just how I look at it. It's like, yeah, I made that decision. At that time, that was the best thing I could have done. Yeah. Right? Now, sure, I could look back and go, oh, what if I did this? But, I mean, where do I get? All I can do is keep going forward and figure out where I'm going with it. So it's super hard to say, you know, do you you go for it or do you go with stability? Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, It's an individual. If we didn't have people that just go for it, then we lose that that creative art. We need people that do that. Yes, we do. There have to be people that do that. Um, it it's makes well it, yeah, it makes it so that I can do it, right? Gotta have both. Yeah. Perfect. So what skills are important for everyone to learn? Like every single person should learn these skills. Every last person on earth should learn to play an instrument. It doesn't matter how old you are, try it do it it's super important this goes back honestly it goes back physiology thing uh, within your brain it's how your brain works and that book this is your brain on music anybody should read that you don't have to be a musician to read that book it's super interesting but what it goes into is it's brain development when we're born our brain is one big blob we don't have a left right side it's all one thing right the left right side actually develops and the thing that happens is you lean one way or another, you know, as that's created, you're losing synapses. You're losing those connections between the left and the right side. The thing that an instrument does is it maintains them um, because you have to be analytical and creative. You have to have motor memory and you have to be able to hear. You have to see all of these things. You have to do them all at the same time in time in order to play an instrument you have to have muscle memory motor skills you have to be able to read whatever kind of music is in front of you you have to physically be able to play whatever those notes are and then you have to hear them audibly yeah you have to hear them and then in a split second you have to analyze that you have to figure out if it's the right note how long you're going to hold it what you're going to do to fix whatever is going on you have to be able to in time immediately adjust to all of those inputs and then at the same time, you're also counting, you're keeping track, you know, and if you're, if you're playing an instrument, maybe you're singing. Well, that's a whole nother thing you're adding to it, right? There's a lot of different activities going on in your brain. And what's, what's really happening neurologically is that your left and your right brain have to work together. You're, you're keeping those connections. All those connections stay. So the earlier you start learning an instrument, that's why it's so easy for kids to do stuff. 
you know, you teach a kid how to do something and they pick it up immediately, where if you're 40 trying to learn it, it's going to take you forever. It's because that kid, their brain hasn't separated. They haven't lost those connections. Those connections are still there. They may know how to do stuff, but that's just our encouraging. But with an instrument, play an instrument, because what it's doing is it's forcing your brain to stick together. <laughs> you're, you're keeping your left and right connected. Nice. I had a, a manager at my day job. Uh, she read a study at one point, and it was a study that concluded that musicians make better software programmers because of the way those connections are made, right? So those those connections that are maintained in your brain as, an, as a musician make it easier for you to approach a problem and have logical and creative connections. Well, playing music is a lot of problem solving. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so that's my advice to everybody. And like I said, it doesn't matter how old you are. And there's actually been, there've been studies that show that dementia is less in musicians True. and Alzheimer's is less in musicians. Yeah. Learning and that a kind language of stuff. or an instrument. Exactly. Is, yeah. Yeah. So that actually helps in later life too, you know, and besides giving you hours and hours of enjoyment, Right. Well, you know, so yeah. Another thing to be said for that is if you can play an instrument, you can learn how to play any instrument just yeah. about because yeah, for sure. You already know the language. You're just mm -hmm. learning new techniques and new, right. you know, muscle. It's new memory. muscle. Yeah. yeah, that's why there's a cello sitting over here in the corner. Yeah, I love why it. Why not? <laughs> I know. Cindy's learning to play the cello, but you know, it's one of those things like I don't play a cello, I don't play violin, and I've never played anything like that, you know, well, but I play a guitar and a bass. Like Jack Black said, those... though, you turn a cello on its side and cello, it's a bass. <laughs> that's right, that's right. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just figuring out where those notes are, and once you figure out the, like you said, it's muscle memory, figuring, it's motor skills at that point, and you're, you can already hear the notes, so. So, what are some social issues that people should care more about? Uh... Plastic in the ocean. Okay. That one is the one, Cindy and I are both the sort of, we're making changes to try and figure that out. There's too much plastic in the ocean. Plastic's not going away. And, you know, there's no there's no sense fooling ourselves, but we can be better at it. I think that's the one that we're, we're most. And then music in schools. I mean, come on. Yeah. Previous question, play an instrument. That's what you need to do. So music in schools has to stay. I mean, we got to find a way to do it. And um, we can't take all of that stuff out of schools because it, what's, what's things, what, what is it going to look like without music? You know, that's terrible. I'm uh, going to misquote it, but uh, if you keep taking the arts away sooner or later, people have nothing to read or write about. Oh, Mr. Holland's Opus, maybe, or something like yeah. that. Yeah, that's true, for sure. I mean, a good answer. Plastic in the oceans. So what, what do we do about that, the plastic in the oceans? How do we, how do we help with that? Uh, are there websites dedicated there are. to I don't, that? I don't, I don't know any off That's the top okay. of my head. I had seen a thing or read a thing about a kid that came up with a, like this floating treatment plant thing where they could sit it out there in that dead spot where I think it's in the Pacific or something like that, um, where all the stuff accumulates okay. um, and it's out there and they can, and I, I want to say that somebody has actually built it. Um, but it was it was a high school kid that came up with it. It was like, anybody can figure this stuff out. We yeah. just have to do it, you know? Personally, I mean, Cindy and I are just, we're trying to use less plastic. Okay. You know, I mean, you know, Ziploc bags and, and you know, plastic at the grocery store. We use the reusable bags. Sure. And like, yeah, it's probably made out of plastic, but we're using it over and over and over again instead of one time throw it out or right. three times throw it out. Yeah. You know, the, the plastic water bottle, we haven't bought a plastic water bottle in years and years now. 
but just that kind of stuff you know we, we try to we try to reuse the plastic that we have we try to reuse it whatever we can you know, reusable like we have a big thermos cup instead of a bunch of water bottles yes. or or reusable grocery bags. I mean, it's it's not a huge amount of things. You know, we're not as much as I would like packaging for products to change. I mean, I live in reality. I'm, you know, it's it's probably not going to change a whole lot. Hopefully, things change. And you know, companies become you know businesses for profit, and I get it. Yeah. Uh, you know, so there's got to be that. But if we can figure out how to, you know, I mean, all I can do is try to read my footprint. That makes and, sense. I always laugh at it. It's like I drive a hybrid car, but it's not really a hybrid. I mean, it's got an electric engine, but come on. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, it's, it's less gas then. It is. Yes. Um, and that's, I've actually read and watched uh, stuff about hybrid cars too. And the, the, the problem is we're in the infancy of it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and the battery technology is like, okay, well, we got to figure out how to build and dispose of these batteries. And that can be just as bad as a, a gas burning engine. So, I mean, we're, we're kind of trading the carbon footprint one for another with the goal that it's going to eventually succeed. Yeah. Right. Which is, it's cool. And that's why I support it and I'm cool with it. But I think at this point in our lives, at this point in the technology, we're still sort of fooling ourselves. I, I think we're still pretty equal, but difference being we're future looking versus that's a big status difference, quo. though. Yeah, yeah. future looking and moving in that direction. I think yeah, so I think it's it's worth it, but it all starts with whatever we're individually doing, how we what we throw away, all that kind of stuff. So we, between Cindy and I, we just try to, we we take a look at the things we're doing. We're like, well, that's kind of wasteful. There there is actually an alternative to that, and we just have to learn how to do it that way. Yeah. Like, okay. Cool. I can do that. Yeah. You know, small changes. I like that. Is there a way that we as artists can work together and help one another and maintain our creativity and our own vision for our journey? Uh, I think uh, more people like Danny ought to be out here doing stuff like this. And hundred percent, honestly, it's about that network. Yeah. So. What I think that we need to be able to do is just get out of our own heads, get out of our own ways and say, you know what, if somebody, like I said before, if somebody asks me about video, I'm going to say, look, here's, this is my particular skill set and this is what I can offer. And I know a guy who does kick-ass video. So if you want a videographer, I've got a guy for you, you know, and then, you know, a musician or something like that. It's like, well, if you need uh, somebody that can play funk bass, um, I enjoy it. I want to be able to play it, but no, I can't slap and pop and all that kind of stuff. I, I can fake it. Not well. Right. So I'm not a funk bassist. So it, the idea is that through our network, just be a little bit selfless. Right. It's like, yeah, well, I would love to have that gig, but I'm not the right guy for it. But I know a guy. Let yeah. Me, let me hook you up with somebody who can do that. Yeah. And be cool about it. I like that. All right. Are there any questions I should have asked you that I have not? Ah, oh, man, we covered a lot of stuff. We did. Huh? This is the longest this interview I've done. Oh, no. It's the ninth one. And it's uh, three and a half hours. Yeah, I don't think... Uh, wow, okay. I, uh, I don't think anybody would ever say that I don't talk a lot. <laughs> No, you have a lot of good things to say, though. Yeah, you know, I can't think of anything anything that I want to cover or say or anything. Okay. Just be cool to each other. That's all. I like that. And then uh, can you tell folks where they can find you on for your different bands, for your photography, and uh, anything else that you would like to share? Yeah, so I have a website for photography. My website's actually crashed. I'm rebuilding it right now, stupid hackers. But it's www.pbrownphotography.com. And then I'm on Facebook, the same P. Brown Photography. 
I have a page and then of course I have my personal page and there's photos all over the place. And then on Instagram, it's the same. It's P Brown photo. It's either P Brown photo or P Brown, P Brown photography on Instagram also. I try to keep it as, as same as I can so sure. it's easy to find. But my watermark is on all of them so you can tie them all together easy. And then if you want to contact me, it's paul at pbrownphotography.com okay. is my email. And then uh, for the bands, uh, Bad Ellie is the pop punk band originals that, that I'm involved in. And that's badelliband.com or badelliband.rocks, R-O-C-K-S. Both of those will get to it. And then we're also on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, again, is Bad Ellie Band on both of Facebook and Instagram. Okay. The doc and tribute is called Breaking the Chains after their first album. That's also on Facebook and Instagram. We don't have a website for that one yet, but on uh, Facebook and Instagram, it's Breaking the Chains Tribute. So we're building up both of those. Bad Ellie, we're working on new songs and recording. And then with Breaking the Chains, we're always working on new songs there too, but not our own original stuff. Okay. <laughs> we're uh, playing Hairfest, and then we're playing in some casino shows, and it ought to be pretty fun. We're having a good-looking summer. so Excellent. That's cool. Well, I will yeah. put links in the show notes so people cool. can check out. Uh, your different media platforms yeah. and things and photography. Right. And uh, I thank you so much for your time. Uh, thank you. Thank this you for has been sharing fun. your art with us, Paul. Yeah, and, for sure. Uh, continued luck and success. I'm back at you. Thank you. you know, we've been friends for a long time, so let's do it. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. Find out more at artmedianorthwest.com. A-R-T-M-E-D-I-A-N-W.com. Mm-hmm.